0: building up godly men for a better tomorrow. This is On the Edge with Ken Harrison, where we inspire men of integrity to put faith into action together. Just before we get into today's episode, we'd like to invite you to subscribe to our weekly devotional group, just text the two words Promise Keepers to 31996. Every week you'll receive a challenging devotional that will inspire you to put your faith into action in the real world. Again, text Promise Keepers to 31996. And now, here's today's show.
1: So, Bob McEwen, I was watching CNN the other night. And, and I was told that I'm a horrible human being because I'm an American. And I'm the worst kind of American because I'm, I'm homophobic, transphobic, misogynistic. I'm scared of everything because I'm, I'm, I've made this, this terrible sin of being born a white American. Well, help me out. How do I feel less bad about myself?
2: Let's just talk about America for a bit and, and see uh, the, the, the standard in the world is based upon power. And so uh, the, the Spanish were the, the supreme power. The Romans were the supreme power Peloponnesian. Then for about uh, 450 years, it was uh, after the French, it was the British rule. Britannia Britannia rules the waves. So if a ship is attacked on the high seas, it was the British that made sure that a country wasn't overrun. And uh, that's and in my observation, Ken, that never in history has a nation become the premier nation on Earth but what it didn't seek it. And so these, these powers uh, tried to, to get the position that they held. The single exception of that is the United States of America after World War II, in which the entire planet turned to America to look to them for stability. And so if, if a ship is attacked on the high seas, as has happened over 300 times last year, to whom can they appeal? 327,000 Americans that wear the uniform of the United States Navy. If if someone is cheating in the way of copyrights or in patents, and they're selling products that they've ripped off from the Germans or from the from the French, who can enforce that? There has to be a leader, and, and and to say that in this the largest economy in the world, if you participate in that, we're we're not going to put up with it. And so the 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 stability and peace that we have in the world is because of America. And so when when the Soviet Union collapsed and uh, Saddam Hussein in Iraq saw 17% of the world's oil, was sitting in Kuwait, and he knew that he could send tanks in early in the morning, and within less than eight hours, he could capture nearly a fifth of all the oil in the world. And there was only one person on Earth, only one person on Earth that could stop him. And so he gambled. The ratio was six and a half billion to one. And the, the only person that could do it would be the president of the United States of America and if he didn't do it then he was he was going to proceed so so the united states is what maintains stability in the world and and that that uh, makes tyrants it makes it makes uh, uh demagogues it makes thieves it makes liars uh, it makes them mad and so there's a constant effort to undermine america because if you take down america then it goes back to power and that means that some tyrant in africa can overrun a couple of his countries and he he can control and slave and do whatever he wants to do and no one's going to stop him And it means that China can control the South China Sea where, get this, 70% of all maritime traffic comes up through the South China Sea. And so they they have built artificial islands there and and they've they've, um, militarized them. So if they decide to control who comes there and who doesn't, there's no one else without the United States. There's no one else to stop them. So so the effort will always be to take down America. And if you take down America, then, then you go to the chaos that Satan always wants. So what uh, what makes America work? It has a belief in a value system that we call the United States, the American Dream. What is the representation of that? It's not a monarch, monarch, it's, it's it's not a it's not a coat of arms like on the Mexican flag. The thing that represents America is the flag of the United States. That represents what you and I believe in, and what is that that we believe in? It's, it, it, there's three steps. We believe in God, and that it is God who gave us life. And then, as on the Jefferson Memorial, the God who gave us life gave us liberty at the same time. And so there will always be an effort to take away our liberty. And how do they do that? First of all, they do away with God. If they can extract God, which is the underpinning of it all. Uh, for 200 years in American history, we had to regularly uh, learn and for many years ha- had to memorize the uh, the, uh George Washington's uh, farewell address, and mm-hmm. in, in that he hammers and hammers and hammers that the twin supports of our freedom are religion and morality, and, and that one cannot call himself a patriot who would weaken those twin supports. And so you have it, it, God is essential; then you can do life. Once you've done away with God, then I can take innocent life. And then let's just cut to the chase. Any politician who will take innocent life will not hesitate to take your liberty. And so in this process, what, what what do they do? How do we weaken America? How do we take down America? Well, we take people like you and me and all of us who, who are willing to salute the flag and, and pay our taxes and support our country and serve in our military. It, 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 it seeks to divide us, to separate us. And how do they do that? Well, under communism, socialism, the effort is to, is to separate them economically and so they said that the rich people are ripping off the poor which is true in a socialist country see in a socialist country only the only you and i can't go to mexico and go in the oil business or go into the trucking business or go into the grocery business because those are controlled under socialism which is government control of the tools of production so that if you're rich in a socialist country that's because you had a relationship with the government and therefore people hate the rich and that's what that's what uh, uh, for Engels and, and Marx, they thought that would be the case. But under free enterprise, the way that I get money is by doing good things for people. And they voluntarily reach in their pocket and they reward me for doing it. Uh, unless you're an attorney. They're not <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, driving down, I'm driving down the road and a person slams on their brakes and pulls in and said, you're going to wash my car and sweep the carpeting and clean the windows and wipe the, the, the dash. I would much rather have that than have this $10 bill or a global positioning unit. I, I'll never get lost again for $200. And so the way a person becomes rich under free enterprise is by doing good things for people. Mm. Now, let's get back to the purpose of your question and that. So how how why are they why are they doing this? They've recognized that when they tried to drive a wedge in America under free enterprise to say that they didn't like rich people, everybody said, I want to be rich. And the person that they were counting on to rebel, that that factory worker at Ford Motor Company, they find out that, that he has a motorhome on the weekend and he, he has a cabin up, up in the upper peninsula. And he has and he doesn't he doesn't want to tear down the system. And so then they began to shift beginning in the 1960s. Let's drive wedges between that man looketh on the outward appearance. Let's say that because of your skin color or because of your ancestry or because of your whatever, that will begin to divide them. And we recognize what it, what it is. It's evil. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so as, as uh, 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 Martin Luther King said, the content of the character. That's what Americans were. And let's let's just emphasize that again. See, America is not is is not physical. America is spiritual. You and I cannot become Japanese. You and I cannot become Chinese. But anybody can become American mm. because American is spiritual. It's what you stand for and what you believe in. And so if you can undermine that and you can say, see that person over there, <laughs> E. W. Jackson, who is just one of the best speakers mm. in the world and a good a good Harvard law graduate, he says, if you divided people up between the green eyes and the, and the blue eyes in the class he said in short order you do that for a few weeks in short order the blue eyes and the green eyes weren't wouldn't be playing with each other they wouldn't date each other they would be, you could create the trouble that's what satan wants satan is a divider he is an accuser of the brother he goes around harassing and attacking and the purpose of promise keepers and the purpose of america is to is to keep our eyes looking upward looking to the source of our our salvation, that which brings us together, that which made us as to who we are. And by doing that, then America becomes the stronger. I, I, well, <laughs> I'm going long here, but the fact that in World War II, for example, when, when uh, everyone in, in a military organization is, does what they're told, and in America, we've all, we're entrepreneurs. We, we, we think and act for ourselves, and that's why this this covid thing is a little deviation from that but let, let's put that aside americans have always when they had a problem they just fixed it and so it, there are there are skyscrapers all over the world because an american elisha otis invented the elevator and there are places where it's a miserable 100 degrees because an american invented willis carrier invented the air conditioner mm-hmm. and so when we needed something we we made the 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 railroads we did whatever had to be done to to, to make it work so, in, in in the process of doing that, they they now want to make us uh, in World War II, for example, when the Battle of the Bulge, in which for the first time they had an offensive in the middle of the winter, and and America had had landed in June on on the beaches of Normandy and started to march towards Berlin, and by Christmas time they were three fourths the way there, and that's when Hitler got all of the folks rallied together, cobbled everything that they had, and had an offensive called the Battle of the Bulge, in which they overran and pushed back, and they made a big bulge in the line, went all the way almost back to Paris. And many of the of the units, American units, were caught behind the enemy lines. So that means they had no, had no support, they had no ammunition, they had no communication, they're surrounded by the enemy. And what did they do? Well, anybody who ever saw the Dirty Dozen, we know what they did. They said, see that bridge over there? We're going to go get it. See that factory? We're going to go take that out. And they said that during World War II, the Allies had a secret weapon, the American GI. Now, Americans know who they are. They're, they are individuals made by God, unique in the world, and, and Satan want, comes to seek, destroy, and divide. And so what's he want to do? What's the, the one that they're they're harping on now is is the color of your skin. As an absurd uh, topic as one can use, but you have to learn it. And so now they've come into our school system and teaching little five-year-olds, and to stand there because of the color of their skin, that somehow or another that they they are, uh, they're not they're not equal, they're not fair, they're not American, and it, it, that is the battle that that we face at this moment, as great a battle as America has ever faced, and the solution to it is spiritual, not physical. You can't go up and beat it out of a person's head, but you give them truth. And truth will restore it, and that's what Promise Keeper is is doing. And that's why, of all the people I could be talking with, I'm honored to be with you.
1: Well, you know, we've been good friends for a while, and uh, for some, I met you. Remember, I met you in your office in D.C., and uh, you gave me a, an amazing treatise on the difference between Hamiltonianism and Jeffersonianism. If I even said those right, and I always thought I was a Jeffersonian until you made me realize I was a Hamiltonian. Uh, <laughs> the educate every. Time I'm with you. The stories, the education, and that's why I want to get a lot of this out. Just a couple quick comments. I mean, when the Americans came in in World War II, you had the Canadians, the Australians, the British, and the Americans coming in from the west, and you had the Russians coming in from the east or the Soviets coming in from the east. The Soviets basically raped their way all the way into Berlin. There are no accounts of rape at all by any American soldiers or or the Canadians or the Australians. I have to say. But it's unbelievable when you talk about an idea about who a people are, you talk about all those hundreds of thousands of of soldiers, full testosterone and fighting, and they treated women with respect all the way into Berlin, while the Soviets, the socialists came in and they raped, pillaged and destroyed. It was a horrific scene. The Soviets were a little more angry because of what the Nazis had done up there in in, uh, Leningrad. But um, also on the race thing. There were real differences in race in the 60s. And the fix was let's get, let's stop being let's be colorblind when it comes to how we treat people, not about culture. And that's what Martin Luther King was saying was now we can finally be one. And actually what they're doing is destroying the work of Martin Luther King. And they're using a lot of black activists to do it. And so we've talked about race in this podcast, with A.R. Bernard and Miles McPherson, um, people who are seeing this from a positive viewpoint. But so many people, when it comes to race, They're they're actually being used for the very thing they think they're fighting to 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 divide and destroy us and to to tell black people, well, you can't make it because you're black. You can't make it. And the reason you can't make it is because the white people who are all devils have the power. And obviously I'm simplifying, but that's pretty much what critical race theory is, Bob, isn't
2: it? That's it. That's it. And, and, And that you are you are to hate each other. And the main thing is to not be an American. That is that you you want to they want to separate yourself out, which wants to, to 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 weaken what is America. If you take the blacks in America, if you take their income and you put it in a pile, it would be the 15th richest GDP on the planet. Right. You could name you could you could name there's only 14 other countries that that their entire country uh, generates that much wealth out what? of the 200 countries. So so wow. It, it, when the rest of the world, the reason. The reason that that ninety five percent of all the people that are crawling over cut glass and barbed wire and leaky boats to get here are of color, they know <laughs> that when you, they see this this guy who makes sixty million dollars a year and has his private jets and fifteen homes and he goes out there and when the flag goes by he gets down on his knees and put puts his nose in the ground, they know that's foolishness because they want to just be here where mm-hmm. where America is and, and and what you said, Ken, is is. Uh, about world war ii is a perfect example that america stands for righteousness and everyone knows it um where does it come from it comes from that from our birth certificate the very first line we hold these truths to be self-evident all men are created and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable level rights so that comes from god so that meant that a jew knew that if he could be chased from any place in the world if he could get under the canopy of protection of the american flag right, that his life would be safe and so when you saw uh, it was speaking again about Saddam Hussein and and the, and, and, and the war that it, whole units of the Iraqi army, one of them surrendered to a CNN crew because they saw Americans they know that we'll be safe Americans If we go this way, they're, they're all going to kill us. but in America we're going we're to be be treated well because that's that's what, what America does. I when the wall came down, the wall uh, was torn down between in the the Warsaw Pact, the Soviet Union, and the United States, and, and and freedom. And that was in in the fall. It was actually November seventh of eighty nine. But in that period, so then in January first, uh, Czechoslovakia that had been left behind the Iron Curtain through the machinations of the communists in the State Department and MI five in London and elsewhere, and so they were left back there, and they hated it, and they chafed against it. 1956, they rebelled in Hungary, 1968, they rebelled in Czechoslovakia, and the tanks came in and killed them all, and so, so they wanted to have a revolution, and so I, that's what I did for a living there. I was involved in politics for two reasons. I loved America, and I hated communism, and so when they wanted to form a government, uh, I was asked to go there, and I i walked into the Rathbunny Castle, the Habsburg Castle that overlooks the river, and uh, and there I looked across the room, and there was a, a round, sort of knights of the round table, a, a large stone table, and everybody was leaning over it. All you could see, they all had blue jeans on. I could just see the rear ends. And and this little head popped up, and it was the ambassador. Her name was Shirley Temple. And Shirley Temple, <laughs> who, uh, she stood up and she looked up and she pointed to me. I'm walking across the room. And she said, There's the man you want to talk to right there. And they all turned and looked at me. And so I, I had no idea what was going on. And so Vaslov, Havel, who then became the first president of a free Czechoslovakia, uh, he walked over and the other began to follow him. And he whispered sort of halfway in my ear. He said, can you go outside and talk with me? And so I said, sure. So we, we went down the stone spiral staircase. We went out into the courtyard and he whispered. <laughs> and he says to me, he said, they tell me that you're on the intelligence committee. And you have, uh, you have contacts in the intelligence community. And uh, he said, since the Soviets have occupied this place since 1945, all of the telephones are bugged, all the rooms are bugged, mm-hmm. and we can't, we can't do anything. And so I, I repeat, we're outside and he's whispering. And he said, is there a way that you could help us get a room in which we could meet that we would be secure? And I said, sure, I think we can help you do that. They said, fine, we'll go back up. And so we go in and we're going back up around those steps again. And I'm thinking in my head as I'm watching, I'm thinking, now that's interesting. We're all about the same age, which means that they are either, either young or born after World War II, which means that they've lived under communism their entire life. So all they've ever been told is that the United States is evil and that communism is good. How do they know that we wouldn't do the same thing to them? that the Soviets have done. Mm. And yet intuitively, and, and so I, I marveled at that, and I thought intuitively that they know that America stands for righteousness. America is fair. America is honest. And so, of course, we, we did. And, and just again, never, never in the history of man has one nation overrun another nation uh, and, and, and not demanded And then for its own freedom and independence and never ask anything in return. There's no example of that in history, except the United States of America. And we sacrificed 50,000 lives in South Korea. Why? Because we wanted to control South Korea? No, we wanted them to have their independence and their freedom. We send trips up, ships up the Straits of, of Taiwan for one reason, because we want the people in Taiwan to be free. We sacrificed it throughout Europe, not because we wanted to occupy Poland or Germany or anything else, but we wanted to be free. No nation has ever been that. America is not under attack because it's evil. America is under attack because it is good. I love
1: that. And you know, there's, there's no part of history that I can inform you on except for George Washington. That's like the only thing I've ever been able to, because I've read so many books on George Washington. And actually good, good. The, the beginning of America as a nation um, through George Washington is consistent with what you're saying, because George Washington is the first guy to ever win a continent and give it away. I mean, there's this story about how when he won the war, almost by himself, really, I mean, there's about, they they determined that less than 10% of Americans actually helped him in the war, that about about 30%, 35% of the colonial people back in those days supported the British. Many people did nothing, the people who actually helped him were less than ten percent, and so as he as he comes riding into Manhattan, there were people who are screaming at each other. We gave up one King George for another, sure the washington do would do what everybody had always done for the history of the world. when you won a nation, you ruled it and Washington walks in and says, "I turn my armory over to you. You all have a nice day. I've done my duty and he goes back to uh to the Potomac and hangs out for a while until they make him president. I mean, it's really a phenomenal thing. So from the beginning, we've given up power for freedom. And and I know everyone can out, be out there and say, well, we didn't do it perfectly. Well, you know what? Nobody has ever done anything perfectly except for Jesus Christ. And they nailed him to a cross. But what you say about America, Bob, is so important right now. And, and you were one of the congressmen from Ohio that Reagan could count on. I mean, you were really one of Reagan's men in the Congress that made sure um, that that his policies were going through a, a, a pretty big minority. I mean, when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, I just figured the Democrats just ruled the Senate and the Congress. That's just how it went. I, I, I never thought that the Republicans could actually have a majority in the House in 94 because in my lifetime, they'd never had that. That's correct. But I mean, you were one of those people that Reagan could count on in the 80s to help to move freedom forward after just the abysmal policies of the 1970s.
2: Well, and he and I shared an affection for America and our and our contempt for communism. He he was head of the Screen Actors Guild when after World War II, the communists understood that the way that you impact people is to impact them through Hollywood. So mm-hmm. if you can control, if you control the Oscars so that everybody sits down to watch the Oscars and all you do is spit on Donald Trump for two hours, that mm-hmm. you can turn people that you couldn't do otherwise. And he saw it and he understood it and he despised it. And so that's where he got his reputation was by fighting the communist takeover of Hollywood uh, through through the Screen Actors Guild. Then uh, under Jimmy Carter, uh, more countries went communist with our support. Just uh, quickly, when a president is sworn into office, the first commencement speech that he traditionally gives is after he's been in office for only four or five months, his first one is always at Notre Dame. That's been that way for a long, long time. Hmm. And so uh, when when Jimmy Carter, Went to Notre Dame in his first 150 or so days as as president, and in that speech at Notre Dame, that commencement speech, he said the United States needs to get over its inordinate fear of communism. Well, it that is. just said that said the message to the whole world that you know we're not we're, they're 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 fine folks, we don't need to be afraid of them, and so that just that 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 was the was the green flag to 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 around the globe, and more countries went communist under Jimmy Carter than any president since Truman. And so when Reagan came in to put a stop to it and, and just a, a more aside here, I don't want get, to get lost here, but Ronald Reagan only did two things on the day that that he, he was sworn into office. Usually the president doesn't do anything. Uh, this current president, I'm on the 1776 Commission, I was appointed by one, one of the dozen members appointed by President Trump. And, and to say that, that our country was founded in 1776, we used to teach it and everybody understood that. But the New York Times has some people that are not American and they try to say that it started back 150 years before George Washington was born. And, and so they, they, they try to say that what happened long before America was even begun that we're responsible for it. So we began to teach the 1776 commission for the purpose of just giving American history. And Joe Biden, uh, I repeat, presidents don't do anything on the day they're sworn in. He was sworn in at noon. And by 4.30 in the afternoon, before dinner, before, before the parade, before the inaugural ball, uh, he abolished the 1776 commission. Uh, they, Ronald Reagan did only two things on the day that he was sworn in. And that is that uh, the, the bureaucracy of the swamp was in the process of committing all of the budget. The budget begins on October 1st, and he was sworn in on January 20th. And two-thirds of his entire budget for the year was being obligated, and 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 they were hiring people and, and and doing all kinds of things as rapidly as they could in that uh, six week period after after the election. And so on election day, when he got sworn in, he went in, he signed an executive order on hiring and spending freeze, and everybody stopped. Any any contracts that are signed today or tomorrow, unless I approve them. And he did this: he fired the ambassador to El Salvador because just as the Carter administration had helped install the communist government in Nicaragua, they were in the process of installing a communist government in El Salvador. And they were working double time to get it done before Re- Reagan took office. And he fired the ambassador on that day and El Salvador was saved. And of course, eventually, as we know, Nicaragua came back, came back to freedom. So so we, we we shared a great deal in, in common as to the freedom that uh, the, the country in 1980 uh, was wobbling. Freedom was wobbling. Everybody was convinced that our days were past. Learn to live with less. Ride your, your bicycle, wear your sweater. America's coming to an end next Tuesday a week. We're all going to run out of everything, including gasoline and all. And Reagan said, there's nothing wrong with this country that proper leadership can't cure. So he took all those regulations. I was elected in November of 1980, and Liz and I drove back and forth from Hillsboro, Ohio, to Washington, D.C., which is about an eight-hour drive, uh, we drove, we did that six times and between November and the beginning of the Congress in January and uh, hiring staff and doing the things that needed to be done. We knew we knew that unless we had a full tank of gas by three o'clock in the afternoon, there were no filling stations open at all no. between there it, by four o'clock. Nothing was open. Uh, Ronald Reagan came in. He took all those regulations, uh, threw them in the Potomac, killed the fish, freed the country. And uh, when we drove home on, on on Easter, uh, for the Easter break, my wife was asleep on the seat when we got into Hillsborough at 1130 at night. And as we're coming in there, there on the street corner were three filling stations, 1130 at night, all of them bright and open. And I woke her up and I said, sweetheart, had we not won, that never would have happened. And so Ronald Reagan was interested in, in, in restoring America. And of course, by the end of 1989, by the end of that decade, the entire world was chanting USA, USA, USA. Let me say one more thing about George Washington. You know, we are in a struggle now, and we're expected to stand for righteousness. And we're and and there's we get pushback from our friends and that kind of thing. But as you said, not only was was no one supporting George Washington, but he was selling something that had never, ever been done. That just because not because of of, of the bloodline, not because of their land owner, ownership only because God had made them that they had rights. And he now we can look over our shoulders in in this battle that we're going now now. We can say look at, look what freedom does. And we, we have something to represent. He had nothing to represent it except a belief in the mm-hmm. principles that built this country. And as George the said, if he does give up power, he'll be the greatest man in history. And indeed he is.
1: When you were voted to Congress, I was wearing knee braces on both legs because my my bones, I had grown so fast, my knee bones had separated so much. So I was like Forrest Gump walking around, hobbling around this scrawny little uncoordinated 13-year-old uh, when you were getting ready to change the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're going to go to a, this little break that we have right now. And then uh, when we come back, I want to talk about Why should all races be behind what you're saying, which is obvious in a lot of what you've already said, but I want to get directly applicable. Then I want to talk about what can we do? Because we've laid out the problem really well, which is really, it's very, very important. I mean, there there will be 127 suicides today, as there were yesterday, and there will be tomorrow. And of those 120 suicides in America, 80% will be middle-aged white men. So this is is a spiritual battle, it's incredibly important. And Bob, you have a lot of the solutions. And so I wanna get to, we've laid out the problem, let's talk about what we do about it uh, right after we come back from this break.
0: Today's episode is brought to you through the generosity of Waterstone. For nearly 40 years, Waterstone has assisted givers in supporting their favorite charities like Promise Keepers by crafting customized innovative giving solutions. Waterstone gift strategists stand ready to create your personalized charitable plan. Utilizing business interests, real estate, appreciated assets, charitable trusts, giving funds and more. These donor-specific giving strategies allow givers to bypass capital gains taxes, receive a fair market value charitable deduction, and have tax-free growth for years to come. Prioritize income, minimize taxes, and optimize your giving with Waterstone. Find out how to give and receive the most from your assets by visiting www.waterstone.org.
3: Promise Keepers is back, and we're relaunching the stadium events that brought millions of men to Christ. Join us this July at AT AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas, for a men's conference like no other. Strengthen your soul with unforgettable worship led by top Christian artists. Form friendships with brothers in Christ that last a lifetime, and discover new tools and strategies that will empower you to follow Jesus more faithfully. Be sure to get your tickets before they sell out Or find a simulcast location near you. And we have a special offer available only in the month of June. Get $20 off your admission ticket by using the promo code OTE20. That's $20 off with the promo code OTE20. Visit www.promisekeepersevent.com for the latest information. We'll see you this summer.
1: So we're talking to former Congressman Bob McEwen, really one of the great authorities on the greatness of America and the greatness of the freedom of America. And we've kind of laid out for the last 25 minutes or so the problem. But now I want to get to the solution. And so, Bob, I've got two two uh, questions for you. And you may just run with this for 20 minutes, and that's fine if you do. Number one, why should all races be involved in this, especially African Americans? Why should black people who've been told for so long? that um they're just victims and and america is is the problem why should they jump on board with what you're talking about in care and then number two what do we as a people do about what's happening because we now are seeing the fruition of 30 40 50 years of leftists taking over the education the journalism the uh uh, entertainment of america we're starting to see the fruition of that we've all sort of uh, our generations have been waiting for america to sort of wake up we're now realizing we ain't going to wake up unless somebody wakes us up. So what do we do?
2: Well, it, it, you, you become what you think about. And so that's why they constantly wanted to, us to not think about how God made us and how we're unique and special and we can do great things. We want to look over our shoulders at someone else that was offended somewhere sometime. And let's talk about that. And uh, as you know, Rosa Parks, Rosa Parks, uh, that bus company was written, was the National City Bus Company from Chicago, Illinois. They ran buses in 38 cities in 16 states. They would not mistreat their customers. But the Democrat members of the city council in, in Montgomery, Alabama said that black people had to sit in the back of the bus. Now, uh, of course, that's sort of like right now where we have these governors telling churches that they can't meet. And as long as churches close down and do what, what they're instructed to do, then it's gonna continue. But it comes a time when somebody has got to stand up. And Rosa Parks said, you can't do that to me. And so it went to court and the court said, "Quit! you can't do this nonsense. My goodness. And so now they actually teach that as though that's what America did. And America didn't do that. Some people that that are politically opposed to the quality of man, the bedrock of America, those people tried to do that. And under Mm -hmm. the American system, they paid a price. That's an important point, Bob. That's an important point. And and that's, that's not who America is. That is... An unregenerate heart does those things. It's the one that 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 impregnates a, a woman and walks off, and it chooses not to be a father or to Amen. be a husband. That that isn't because America's bad. That's because the heart of that person needs regeneration. And when when we see these things around it uh, in, in America, there are, are things that people do because we're people. Our neighbors are not perfect. There's only a handful of us that are perfect. Most of folks have errors. And in the process, when we focus on that, what does America do? America gives the greatest opportunity. Now, we've started this idea when, when, when they tried to sell how awful America was and it didn't work well. Uh, for example, the second richest spot on earth is Western Europe, France, Germany, Britain. Uh, most of the world lives on less than $2 a day. and and uh, But the wealthy places are Germany and elsewhere. That's the second richest spot on earth, second to America. In the United States, these people that are, are coming in here at, at night, uh, when they get here and they become an American, or no, they don't have to become American, when they get to America and they go on the welfare system and we give them stamps for food and a roof over their head and a bed to sleep in, those kinds of things, anyone on welfare. So listen to this. The definition of poverty, the American system, this is a rector study, which is done every continually. A report comes out every 24 months by the Wall Street Journal and the Heritage Foundation. It takes people to the very bottom of America. Those are people who are living in poverty. A person living in poverty in America is more likely to have a telephone, a television, an air conditioner, an automobile, eats more meat, has more square footage space to live in than the average resident of the second richest spot, Western Europe. right. So now when you're trying to, it's called the Rector study, it comes out right. So in, in trying to say how awful America is, the, compar- the comparisons, I mean, you know, when I grew up in my town, you know, there was the Smith's car and there was the Brown's car and everybody, we were the richest nation on earth. So we had telephones. Everybody had one telephone. It was black. It was on a shelf. You could reach in from one side or the other. And and, and we had televisions. Nobody else had a television. Everybody had a television. And uh, nobody, I didn't know a single home uh, that ever had air conditioning. But in America now, uh, everyone, no matter how poor a person has their own telephone, their own television. There are more cars in America than there are licensed drivers. So our definition of poverty is, is, is getting so skewed. So then they have to come in. They have to teach something else. And, and one of the things they do in colleges, they came up with this term diversity, and diversity means someone who doesn't believe in America. And so they would they would basically have some professor from Pakistan or somewhere, and, he, and he's he has a diverse he's bringing a, a diversity to the to the campus. Well, the diversity is he doesn't have a clue about America. He couldn't find Nebraska with a flashlight. But all he knows is what he was told about the evil. And remember, they grew up under socialism, so they talk about the evils of the rich and how you have to take the rich and you have to. uh, We should band together to to just redistribute. And so, let me just take about five minutes and and say, Ken, what I think is the bedrock problem financially of people of poverty in America and how we fix it. And that is, if there's a car going by your house there are only two ways you can get money out of that person's pocket, only two. One of them is called free enterprise. And that's where, as I said, you lay awake nights, sleeping, figuring out ways how to do something good for the person, such that they'll slam on their brakes, pull in, have you wash their car, have them paint their house, have them make a suit for them, uh, have have them fix a porch. You could do something so that they voluntarily reach in their pocket and make an exchange, which at the end of the exchange, you are both better off. You are wealthier that. than you were before.
1: The and definition not, of
2: capitalism And if, if not, you don't make this change. So they always talk so, so these socialists in these college campuses that, that you know don't have no clue what they're talking about, they always talk about the rich people uh, ripping off the poor. That's an impossibility. you can't you can't do that. Now let's go through it again. A farmer has a, a stack of wheat. there's a baker with 10 empty ovens. The baker says if I had his wheat, I could make breakfast, I could make donuts and sell them in the morning. The farmer says if I had his money, I could put a new roof on the barn buy a new tractor. And they make an exchange, which at the end of the exchange, they are both better off. Mm. And so that's why that, that we're only 4% of the population of the world. 96% are not Americans. And yet that 4% write more books, more plays, more symphonies, more copyrights, more inventions than the rest of the world combined. Over 90% of all the apps. At- apps on, on the software around the world. So let's just talk about that. So I was going out the door one day and my, fo- my son said, you have the app that shows what, what gate you're coming in and going out. So you know, wh- while you're taxing on the ground, you know whether or not you have to walk five minutes or walk two minutes to your next gate. I said, what are you talking about? And, and he said, well, let me show you. And so he showed me the app and there was the app that did that. All you did was type in your flights and they would tell you what was happening. What was the cost of that? The cost of was 99 cents. So question, What is it worth it to me to have that on my phone for the next three years for 99 cents? Answers, yes. Question number two, why did that person do that? Why did they make that app? So that they were concerned that I get lost in the Atlanta airport? Nope, they don't know me or don't care. They hoped that a million people would buy their app and they would become a millionaire. Mm. Number three, do I care if that app was made by a six foot eight African-American male or by a five foot two Asian female? The answer is, I don't care a whit. All I care is, does it work? Mm. Conclusion, under free enterprise, a person is rewarded in direct proportion to his contribution to others. Under socialism, a person is, well, I'm I'm ahead of myself. So let's just stop. So I said there were two ways to get money out of that person's pocket. I just described how to get one. There's one other way. There's another way. And that is that when the car comes up there and stops at the stop sign, I go over, I stick my gun in the window, and I take it. Now, when I take it, have I created any wealth? No. Have I redistributed wealth? Yep. From her purse to me. And here's the point. The degree to which I benefit is the degree to which she's diminished. So, under when I take it, no wealth is being created. Created now, let, let's don't call them criminals. Let's call them a congressman, and let's say that a congressman comes along and he says, "I want fifty percent of everything in that purse." Now, has he created any wealth? No. Has he redistributed wealth? Absolutely. That's why when when you listen to, to Bernie Sanders and these folks, they always talk to the mayor of New York, de Blasio, every time. He always says that every time he speaks, he always uses this. He says, there's plenty of wealth in this country. It's just the way that it's distributed is the problem. So he wants to come in and, and re- redistribute that. He wants to take from one person and, and give to, to another. Now, when, when they do that, since they haven't created any wealth, and here's the point, whether a criminal takes it or whether a politician takes it, it doesn't matter. The impact is the same. And so you go to the pay window. You go out walking across the parking lot to your car. A fellow comes up, puts a gun in your ribs, says, I want 50% of everything you have in your hand. So you go home. You sit home with your wife and children and say, here's how much money we have for food, clothing, and shelter. This is the kind of car we can buy. This is the kind of vacation we can take. This is how much money we have left. Or let's suppose you go out and you you make it all the way to your truck and you open up the paycheck. You look at it and you see that government's already been there. Mm. Half of the money's already gone. The impact is the same. And so under socialism, where you use the power of the state, if it's a criminal gang, you go and take it. And that discourages, that makes it a neighborhood so you're unsafe. You don't want to go into business. Or if the government comes in and takes it, and so the richest place in the world was, when I was young, was, was Detroit, Michigan. They elected a, a mayor that says, we're going to redistribute the wealth. And so he begins to steal it from everyone. What happens? People begin to leave. The population of Detroit is now smaller than it was in 1900. So when under socialism, when you come and take things away from people, you make people worse off. So the conclusion is, when these people, when they go to college, and they're not taught because the the college professors are clueless about this. If a person were to go to work on a farm, they'd they'd learn it in a week. And that is that when you do good things for people, you're rewarded under free enterprise. Under socialism, you have no hope. And you're willing to walk from El Salvador, walk foot by foot by foot, all the way through Central America, all the way through Mexico, just to make it to America, Because there you know, if you float in, you and I, as I said, you and I can't go into business in a socialist country. You and I can't start a business in Indonesia where where Barack Obama grew up and where the rich people are people who have a relationship with the government. But if an Indonesian floats into the harbor in Long Beach, California at five in the morning, he can own three 7-Elevens by midnight. Because in America, you're rewarded not because of who you are, but because you've done for others. Under socialism, you only care about the group. And so therefore, they'll always talk about women's rights, or Hispanic rights, or African American because they always want to divide into groups. There are no, there are no blonde left-handed rights. There's only rights that come from God, and it comes to each one of us. And so in this battle, and in this fight, they keep us to either look forward as to what we can do for others and become successful, or to look inward at our skins, and then and divide up into groups and destroy. Those who want to destroy America want us to talk about what someone in the past did to someone else. You know, Where we're on that topic, it's unscriptural. The scripture clearly says we are told not to take up an offense. that That is, you're not, somebody did something to that person over there, therefore I'm offended. The Scripture says not to do that because there is no opportunity for repentance. There's no way to restore it. Let me say, let's say, Ken, you're having a fight with John and I listen to the report, and I decide you're right, and I'm on your side. Well, t- two weeks from now, I can see you and John walking down the street, arm in arm, just having a great time. I'm hanging out here. I'm still mad at John for what he did for you, did you, because I have taken up an offense, and there's no way to resolve it because I wasn't involved in it anyway. And so the scripture says don't, not to do that. Do not take up an, an offense for someone else. That's what this whole effort of race is to do, to find that someone, somewhere, my, I had eight great uncles that, that fought in the Civil War. There were, there, there were four of them that were at the Andersonville prison where they're all starved and dying in, 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 in Georgia. So they sacrificed for the purpose that everyone in America, regardless of their skin color, would be treated fairly. Now to come along and tell some little girl from Czechoslovakia whose parents escaped communism and came here 20 years ago, and now she's a five-year-old, to tell her because of her skin color, but somehow or another she's responsible for some kind of of white privilege you can see how satanic that is to drive wedges between God's children
1: we got to have you on again we, we were supposed to be a person in DC and uh, you had to be in Arizona and I had to be in Dallas we got to get together do this again because it's so amazing when well, you got about five minutes before you got to get on the road to Tucson and so wrap this up put it up put a bow on it for us you you know you've you've basically given the problem and the solution but um maybe for for people like me who are kind of dumb you can kind of what what do we do about this right now um we've got right. this government in place it's a it's a young government it, it's going to have four years to do what it's going to do um really the problem facing america is not political it's spiritual because we've lost our identity and who we are so bob you know for for five minutes tell us Right now, what 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 should the common person do to help reverse this situation?
2: Can well, that 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 is an excellent question, and it goes to the very heart of the matter. And it very simply is this: that is, we have to stop and think. What does it mean when when everything is spiritual? Uh, what does it mean when when uh, Christ was saying that let not your hearts be troubled, that He's going He's going to be leaving, and and Thomas looked at me and said, "What in the world are you talking about?" I said. We don't know where you're going. How could we know the way? And Christ said this. He said, I am the way. Now, immediately as a teenager, what I'm thinking, what do you mean, I am the way? Here's what it means. It means that when we do what God says, that is the program that is successful. Doing it God's way. I am the way. Follow me. Everything else is just opinion. So when you want to know how how do I build a marriage, you can go to some bookstore, and uh, I, my wife and I taught marriage conferences, and I always had a reading from this one particular author. It was Barbara D'Angelo, De- and she she was. Uh, I read the blurb for her book. She had been married six times, and so this time she was telling how this is the way you do it. So so you can keep following man because she thought she did it right the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time. So if we follow man's ideas, we end up in the ditch, and so. Tom said, "I we don't know where you're going. How are we going to get there?" And Christ said, "I am the way. So, how do we solve our marriage? How do we solve our country? How do we solve our community? How are we going solve this race stuff? It's because we need to look at how He does it, and He and so therefore that's the whole purpose of promise keepers is to say that we're going to look at the example that we're going to give our word, we're going to make our promise to him and then we're going to keep it and and then righteousness exalted the nation sin what is sin sin is anything that separates us from god so that's why they want to take under god out the pledge of allegiance and that's why they don't that sin and and what is the consequence of sin sin the scripture says i'm using the book again the manual the, the, the from the manufacturer he said if you so sin when it is conceived after it's done it brings forth death the wages of sin is death so when, you, when you've done the sin, the payoff is death to my marriage, death to my business, death to my country, death to my neighborhood, death to my city. Ultimately, not only spiritual death, separation from God, but also physical death. If we do this, we take these things, but if we do it God's way, that the Christ said, I am come that you might have life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He that hath the Son hath life. And so if we want to have a lively, successful marriage. If we want to have a lively, successful life. We want have a lively, successful community and nation. We do it God's way. And that's what, so the answer to it, it sounds like it's, it's kind of uh, uh, the back of the hand just off-putting. But, you know, I am the way. Well, actually, he is. That is the answer. And so you know, as we begin to follow him, he then also, it, it's, it's unlike any other book, there's a Holy Spirit, and that is he begins to talk to us, and he begins to enlighten us, and we see things that didn't make any sense before. When we start to read it, and we ask him, we, we may have read it years ago, but now when we read it, we see what it actually means, because he, he, he's talking to us. And then the scripture says to, that, that we are to gather ourselves together. So the purpose of promise keepers is to find people who are like-minded of the same heart and then to begin to stay and do that. And again, in this spiritual battle, which we're on, when you you see it, you can see what's going on. Other people think, well, it's just because of the pandemic that we're going to close everything down. No, 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 no. The answer spiritually to alcoholism, to drug addiction, to self-worth, to a sense of standing as to who God made them, the answer to all these things is spiritual. So if Satan can shut down the churches can shut down our relationship with each other. then we have what you said over 120 some suicides a day and and people have lost their way so your your question was what is the answer to it the answer is that there is a person who made us who knows all about us and there never ever has been anyone like us before we used to think it was a big deal everybody had a different fingerprint more than that every Every iris of every eye, the way they can identify, there are no two irises alike. There are no two earlobes alike. The heart, when a heart starts to beat when, after conception, there are no two hearts. The signature of every heart is unique. More than that, every single cell, the DNA of a single cell. There are God made us special, gave us talents and gifts, and gave his life that we could have, be restored. And Satan's goal is to separate us out use any way that he can dream up to separate whether whether it be gender or whether it be skin color or whether it be nationality or whether it be, he, he wants to separate us out but Christ has come that we might join together and you can have dedicated your life and we are supported of the effort to bring us together that will be beneficial not only to our own hearts and our future and our children but also for our nation as well and for that I say thank you. Thank you. So um July 16th and 17th,
1: if y'all listen to this, hope to see you at Dallas Cowboys Stadium for the Promise Keepers event. It's going to be massive. Um, churches down here are buying huge blocks of tickets. Bob, you and Liz and Elliot and I are going to be together in Naples, Florida in a month, and uh, we're going to be having some more long conversations, and maybe if we can find a film crew, we'll bless people with getting to let them sit, sit in another hour one of our conversations because they're so enlightening. Where can people find more of what you have to say because what you have to say is so unique uh, it's so non-judgmental it's so um uh, uplifting and encouraging to me you're a prophetic voice um a, a prophetic voice both scripturally and around america where can they go to find more information and find more interviews with you and what you have to say
2: well i i have a, a little thing that explains as to why some countries are rich, why some countries are poor, why some people are rich, why some people are poor. And it's called Politics Easiest Pie. Politics equals integrity plus economics, P-I-E. And it's available at the uh, website, which is Bob McEwen, my name, bobmckewen.com. And uh, my wife reminds me that when we first had our first date, she said, how do you spell McEwen? I said, well, a female sheep, when you grow up on a farm, a female sheep is a U, E-W-E. And E-W-E, so it's McEwen. M-C-E-W-E-N to BobMcEwen.com.
1: There you go, man. God bless you. Thank you so much. This was really good. Honor's mine, Ken. Thank you, brother. Thanks for listening to On The Edge Podcast with Ken Harrison. For a lot of you, this is our first time meeting and I wanna tell the men listening about an organization I'm the current chairman of, Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers is an organization founded by Coach Bill McCartney that's led men across the world to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Promise Keepers is calling men back to courageous and bold servant leadership. To learn more and get involved in the mission of Promise Keepers, visit promisekeepers.org. Follow on social media or download the Promise Keepers app on Apple Store or Google Play by searching Promise Keepers. Through the Promise Keepers app, you'll receive access to devotionals, Bible studies, Another other great articles and video content, and a community to build friendships, lead your family, and become transformative leaders. See you next time for On The Edge with Ken Harrison. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I app.